and welcome to another episode of Went Smoking's Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea women's team. There's no Dean this week, so it's Jane on hosting details to bring you the Arsenal match review, which took place this past Sunday on the 5th of September at the Emirates Stadium, which ended free Arsenal 3, Chelsea 2. Now, as there's no Dean, I needed to call on some friends to help me through with this one. So in no particular order, we've got Kerry. Kerry, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yep, good, thank you. And I'd like to welcome back Dane. Dane, how are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. So, obviously, the game was at the Emirates on Sunday. Kerry, what was it like to be at the Emirates and be back at football? Yeah, it's good to just get back to normality and we're all being together instead of watching games over Zoom with each other. Yeah, no, it was nice to be back all in one place and not, yeah, sitting over Zoom, streaming it for each other. So let's get into it then. The starting with the lineup, Emma Hay selected a 3-4-3 formation with Berger in goal, Carter, Brighton, Eriksson at the back, Charles, Leopold, G and Wrighton in the midfield with Cuthbert, Harder and England up front. We saw Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr and Sophie Ingle introduced in the 56th minute for Leopold's, for Leopold's England and Charles. Yona Anderson came on for Wrighton in the 83rd minute and in the 87th minute, Jesse Fleming came on for Millie Bright. This left Zakira Musovic, Anik Noen, Drew Spence and Georgia Fox as the unused substitutes. Stats wise via BBC Sport, Chelsea had 59% possession, 15 shots, four on target, four corners and 13 fouls. So Arsenal's 41% possession, nine shots, six on target, zero corners and nine fouls. Kerry, what was your thoughts on the lineup? I think the lineup came back with no surprise. It was... um predictable because of the amount of players that were at the the Olympics and um, just coming back from training and stuff. Dane, was you surprised by the lineup or anything at all? No, absolutely not. You know, like the men's game, they've had to integrate players in the same way due to their Euros, you know. And, uh, you know, Emma, Emma's going to have a tough job now. Same thing with the squad, squad members. You know, they, she's got to base it on pre-season fitness, uh, you know, the own individual some people, you know, would have played a lot more last season, so that they might be in a better position, as you could see. The captain, you know, she played straight away, really, but others only got 20 minutes. But the Olympics took a big chunk of our of our players away. So it's, it, as Emma knows, you know, it's not about this game, it's the whole season. And she could have played them all, and they could have had a couple of injuries. So she's smart to just to bide her time and, you know, to feed them in over the next few games. Yeah, no, I wasn't shocked about the lineup either. It was just sort of. The ideal lineup with sort of the summer they've had, they've just had to use the players they had. Chelsea did not start this game very well, and it only took Arsenal 14 minutes to isolate Miedemar against Carter for the opening goal of the game. Dane, do you think Miedemar is sort of the concern to the fans? Well, yeah, she was because she's like the standout player. She, you know, she's so amazing and intelligent. I know it's hard for us to talk about Arsenal players in such a way, but you know, she'll always punish gaps, you know, in attacking phases and uh Fortunately for her and the Arsenal fans, but unfortunately for us, you know, she took advantage of those of, of those spaces. She's always going to score, you know, uh, given a chance. She sort of drifts in and drifts out of games. And unless you watch her like really closely, you think she's a little bit lazy and she doesn't do a lot. She's very smart at uh, uh, working that line all across the back four or back three in our case. And it opens up spaces for people like Beth Mead. Uh, but I don't know if I already said or I said before, you know, I think that's the most space she's had against us in recent years and yeah she bad boy she took advantage of it 
Yeah, I definitely thought she took advantage of the open space she gets. As soon as she gets the ball, she's going to try and score just because that is the sort of player she is. Chelsea did grow into the game, though. G in particular was impressive when she moved forward and Chelsea were rewarded just before half-time. And Neve Charles Cross was headed into the path of Leopold, who found Cuthbert free in the area and she made no mistake. We deserved that equaliser, didn't we, Kerry? Yeah, she said we were going into game and we weren't that... And yeah, it was just, it was, it, the chances were coming. So it was just a matter of time before one of them kept waiting back in there. I don't know if anybody else noticed, but in the first half, we kept trying to play the ball. I noticed we tried to play the ball down the middle and try and get shots on target and to get the goal. But I just didn't think it was working. And most of the time, Guru was there on the right-hand side, free, but no one seemed to pass the ball. It was like she was sort of invisible. Dane, did you notice that at all while I was watching? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, with Erin tucked in, it seems like we were trying to find her or Pennell more than others. Both were playing really well. Usually that sometimes happens in games, you know, how it drifts. If certain players look confident and are attacking uh, areas dangerously quite early on, then teammates will, you know, will notice that and will start to look for them before others. And shortly after half-time, Wrighton saw her cross clip the crossbar, but then Chelsea were punished again. Carter wasn't sure whether to follow Meadamar or not. She played Beth Mead in between Ericsson and Bright, and the Arsenal winger finished expertly beyond Berger. Kerry, that's defending left a lot to be decided, didn't it? Yeah, kind of had flashbacks to the Barcelona game where they just tore us apart, just with one single pass. So, yeah, it wasn't the greatest I've seen. I think we've said before, obviously, our defence, we do need either another player or another one player. And I think with games like that, it sort of shows why that one pass in defence can just muck up the whole game completely. It shows as well that the more work is needed between... Oh, I've pretty much covered this bit. The more work's needed in the sort of defence, just because Carter should know to stick with Miedemar all the time or to get her midfielders to drop in she does neither and you just don't give me demand that space because she is nine times out of ten going to score it as soon as she gets the ball Arsenal went 3-1 up after Imabuchi set Mead free replay shows Mead off, was offside but due to no VAR the goal stood Emma Hay said women's football was being treated like second class citizens how important is getting VAR in the game Dane? Yes, yes. It obviously all depends on a lot of things, you know, the revenue, the money, sponsorships, prize money, uh, merch selling, you know, it's, it's easy for Chelsea to, you know, they sort of alluded to this after the game, didn't they? Uh, they sort of alluded, it's, it's easy for Chelsea to say, but what about the more poorer clubs and how much will it cost to bring it in, as I said? You know, we, we, we need to be moving and pushing boundaries of women's football. And I, I think we need to make the referees better first before we, we, we take the VAR. But we need to, you know, it needs to be a career for the lady referees. It, you know, it needs to be full time for them and they need to be trained better. They're clearly not with the offside. You know, unfortunately, she wasn't even properly up with play and it, it was four or five yards. It was a pretty poor decision, but VAR is important to, to, uh, to the football, but I'd, I'd worry about the referees and assistants first, personally. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think the referees and assistants need to get sort of trained a bit better, just because if that was like the last game of the season and that goal would have, that goal could have decided the whole thing, I think when it comes to that, you sort of do need either better refs or 
just VAR in there just to help decide decisions that the referee and lines women's and men can't see. Yeah, so it's just it's easy for the Casey Stoney to sit there and say, yeah, but, you know, it's so cliche, but it will even itself up over the season. But as you say, it could have been so important in that time. And if it's at the end of the season, what are you going to say? We had one earlier for a not important game, but this important game, we didn't have it. Yeah, it's, it's cliche and you're, you're right. It needs to be needs to be better. Yeah, definitely. Chelsea pulled one back. Good work from Erin Cuthbert on the right. She found harder with a cross and beat all the Arsenal defenders to head home. It felt like at times we were waiting on harder to make things happen. Kerry, is she going to be important this season? Yeah, I think, but I think all the players will be important at some stage of the game, but it seems as of the year, but yeah, she's important because she had, she's had a full um, pre-season and she's not, in, not been injured. So she's going to be pretty important at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I think most players, like you said, they're, everyone's going to have their own different role and how they're going to con- contribute to the team. But I think Peniel Harder might be one to watch out for a bit more just because she's not had that Olympic. She's come back fresh and fit and ready. I think it's, it's also quite lucky that I think, because didn't she move in September? Uh, and it yeah, last year she didn't really have a pre-season because she no. played the Champions League final with Wolfsburg and then the day after she signed with us. And See, you've got to think as well, it's lucky that she, obviously we know she's in a relationship with our captain, you know, it's hard for foreign players to move over here, especially we've had two lockdowns, I believe, since she's moved over here. And uh, she's obviously, her relationship has allowed her to settle a lot quicker than maybe, you know, the average transfer. Yeah, I think she, she's brilliant. I, you know, I really like her, like Kirby. She can play anywhere across the front three or in a two or even attack in midfield. Always full of energy and looks so dangerous. On Sunday, I thought she was, you know, she was yeah, definitely up there as, as one of our better players. Yeah, I think with her goal as well, it was just a matter of time before she scored on Sunday. They just sort of, a goal would come, but it was just the like waiting game for when it was actually going to physically come. She's got a hunger about her as well, like a lion. You can always see she's she doesn't play on the edge like she fouls, but she she's got a hunger and desire and that a little grit in her teeth to like goes out same every week. She's really impressive to watch. Yeah, no, she's a good player to watch week in and week out. Um, let's talk about another player, Erin Cuthbert, starting in an attacking role, switching it with G, scoring a goal, moving to wing back to wing back and and assisting a goal. Quite a performance, wasn't it, Kerry? Perry, it was luckily I wasn't sitting on the edge because I'm on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kerry, <laughs> I knew I was going to ask Kerry this one just because I know how much she loves Erin. But yeah, no, she, she played really well. And it, I think again, it helps that she's, I think I read this, that's her first pre season she's had in three years without being injured. And I think you could tell like she was like, she was on it. Do you think she's going to be one to watch this season? Yeah, she stays fit, but I don't really want to see her as a, a wing-back. But she will yeah. play there because she will do anything. Yeah, no, she's going to play anywhere to get that game time. So I'm happy with wherever she plays. Mm-hmm. Dane Hayes turned to Kirby and Kerr after about an hour. Should fans be concerned about this result, given Arsenal were further ahead of Chelsea physically? No, they should not be concerned. If we look at the players, uh, I think you pronounce it, is it Nguyen, Ingle, Bright? Kirby, Fleming, Kerr, Ericsson and Anderson. Do we have eight at the Olympics? Uh, I think we had eight at the Olympics. Yeah, and, eight or nine. Unless I've missed someone. And, and some of them, you know, if, 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 ones that was involved 
played about 20 minutes in our last preseason against Aston Villa. It was only three weeks earlier they was playing in the final of the Olympics and the third and fourth place playoff. You know, they're not robots. They need rest. They need holidays. As I said earlier, the flip side of the coin, if Emma plays the full strength team, you know, and we get injuries, she's going to be absolutely criticised uh, even more heavily. You know, we need them for the whole season, you know, uh, take a risk when it needs to be taken, if it's a must-win game or if it's a cup final or, or a playoff, or we need something to clinch. But Emma, Emma was exactly right after the season. You know, this does not, you know, this one game does not deter the season. It's We've got to look over the whole season. Yeah, that's what I've said. You can't, like, judge the season by this one game. Like, most of our players have been in the Olympics. They've not been long back. You've just got to give it time. And one loss isn't going to affect the rest of the season. Mm, I think it's, I'm sure it's about five or six players that had 20 odd minutes. That's all they had pre-season. 20 odd minutes. Kirby, Kerr. Uh... Yeah, I think most of the, apart from like Millie and Magda, I think the rest of them only had really about 20 minutes. I think, but she obviously, you you know, day in day out, Emma sees these players in training, and you know, you know which ones are fitter. You know, they're all not going to be at the same level. Some are going to be naturally fit, and clearly. Uh, as you said, the two defenders who, who I think they might have started as well were friendly, as well as obviously playing in the Olympics three weeks earlier. So they must be extremely fit them too. Yeah, definitely. Kerry, stats-wise, Chelsea were more dominated. On another day of the right refereeing decisions, we would normally take something from this game. Do you think we should just write this game off or look at it, look at it to like work harder next week? Yeah, I don't think you can write it off because you can see that there is, we still need to sort out our back line, but it's only the first game, so we just, we move on to the next one. Yeah, you can't sort of just write it off, you've just got to move on to the next one and hope for the best, really. Mm. Chelsea tried in earnest to get an equaliser, but it just didn't happen on the game. Jesse Fleming, fresh off that gold medal win in Tokyo, only got five minutes. Dane, do you think that is because of fitness or, or because perhaps we should be expecting more from her this season? I think a bit of both. Uh, definitely fitness, but also she should be expecting more. We should be expecting more. Maybe Emma should be expecting more. And that is a guess, as you know, as I, I said a couple of minutes ago, we don't see what Emma sees on the training squad. Listen, you know... Oh, Last season uh, was a learning curve and hopefully a bedding in period for her. A big reputation in North America. You know, I'd heard of a Canadian player. Lots of teams were tracking who was playing college soccer for UCLA Bruins. And I also heard that this Canadian player had played over 70-odd caps for Canada, which was, which was a surprise seeing as she was playing college football. But, you know, she got an amazing move to one of the biggest clubs in, in world football, and like I said about Pernell, you know, a young lady moving from L.A. to London uh, with, with, with a couple of lockdowns. But unlike Pernell, as far as we don't know, I, d I don't think she's, she's in a relationship with anyone. So she's moved on her own, could be quite lonely, uh, suffering with the troubles in the world. Uh, if you look at the facts as well, she only made eight starts and I think averaged 23 minutes of football per game or something like that. You know, she'll be disappointed with that, but she'll also know what she can do given a chance. And so do we. You know, we all watched the Olympics. We saw how outstanding she was. And I've no doubt that Emma Hayes was watching that as well. You know, Emma Hayes knows exactly the player that she can become. You know, should have been delighted with, with her form and her gold medal. She really needs to kick on this season. Uh, I have no doubt Emma will push her. And hopefully we'll see. She'll push herself as well. But hopefully we'll see a lot more of her because she's, she's very talented. 
I think after her gold medal win and her performance in Tokyo, it's sort of shown fans more just how well she is as a player. And I think because like she only obviously got the five minutes this week, but I think that is because she has only just come back. There's no point rushing someone into game time when you have got other players to fill her places on the pitch for now until she's back at fully fitness and she's ready to play a full 90 minutes game. Mm, absolutely. And where would you think where do you where would you think she would play though? Where do you think her because she's a box to box midfielder, but how Emma plays, where would you think she would fit in? Um, or whose position? It's I, think a, I think she's a long term replacement for Jane. You think? Be yeah, I think yeah. I know she's not really she, a defender, so she can't really replace Sophie or a Menley. So like G's the natural one. I th- yeah, I think if anyone, it would be G to sort of replace in like future season, like years to come. Although we haven't seen it yet as well for Chelsea. She can score a goal. She had a good record in, I know again, it was college football, but it's a really good standard over there. And, you know, she's got, you know, she scored a few goals at the Olympics and I don't think her, her international record's as good, but uh, by all accounts, she, she can finish. You know, she's a really good finish. I think she's one in three in college football and that was box to box midfielder. So, again, it's impressive. Hopefully we'll get to see a lot more of her this year. I think like with last season, obviously, what we did see of her play, she was sometimes close to getting them goals, but I just don't think we saw enough of her last season. It will be good to see her this season and hopefully she'll be able to get some goals. And she's obviously could be potential penalty taker as another option with the penalties she's took at the Olympics. She's up there for, I'd personally choose her to take penalties if we had to. She's, she's funny because she's, she's, she's got a bite in her tackle though. She, 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 she could almost turn into an all-round midfielder, which, as you say, you know, would be great for us and our squad. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of how she develops and how she sort of fits in on the pitch with the rest of the players. And mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of discussion of, around the use of the back three. Personally, I think we should play a back four. Kerry, do you prefer to see more of a back three in games or would you prefer to go back to a back four? I mean, we used to play back three a few years ago, but I think it's, if you've got the players, then it does work. Where we had, I think it was Hannah Blundell and Raf as the wing backs. And then Beth sometimes was a wing back. But I just don't know if we have the players to play three at the back. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, I think. Dane, what do you think? I always worry about pace. You know, as as, as Kerry said earlier uh, about that Barcelona, that, that was haunting. You know, we, we, we'd all, we all sat down and was, you know, with massive expectations and excitement. And within 15, 20 minutes, we were all looking at our watch and, and I'm just praying for at least a goal just to give them some sort of memory. I've no doubt that, you know, Emma, Emma knows what, you know, what she's doing. She, to me, she's the greatest manager without my blue, uh, blue glasses on, biased glasses on. She's the best manager in, in, in women's football. But yeah, I worry about that space in between unless we have, it seems like we need, you know, maybe a defensive midfielder to sit deep as well to, to, to protect them because there seemed like that space in between the free and uh, low poles and G was, was too big and they was, I don't think there's enough pace at the back to, you know, to counteract. Because we was always on the front foot, even against Arsenal. You know, we was always pushing, looking for the goal. We was getting caught. And it again, without mentioning the comment, it's so cliche to say Arsenal were the better team. All they did was defend quite well and counterattack us. It's so easy to say that. But, you know, our effort was, was clearly there. It's just the mistake we made was that gap. There's too many gaps at the back. Yeah, that's but what I know. Going back to that. it, I'd, I'd prefer a four, like you. Prefer so. four. 
I just think yeah. with the three, obviously you can't say, oh, we lost because we had a back three. But I think where the play- Arsenal players seem to just keep getting through us, I think maybe if we had a back four, they might have been able to be stopped and not get as far as getting to goal. Kerry, I want to go back to the VAR decision. The game is expanding very quickly. How important is that technology? Is 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 it that the technology keeps up? Because Sky had two huge games, United versus Reading, where Reading had a goal over the line not given and United offside in the run-up to their second goal. Then Chelsea should have had a penalty from foul on Ericsson and Mead was offside not given. It's not good enough, is it? It's not good enough, but I think it goes down to, I think we need to improve the standards of the referees and then start bringing in the technology because that... The offside was definitely offside, and I don't know how she missed the penalty with Magda ended up on the floor. I think that's what you've got to do first: sort the refereeing and the officials out before you bring VAR, because you can bring VAR in, but then if the officials and the refs are still not up to standards, it's still not going to be the sort of game you'd want it to be. Yeah, so we need to improve the refs, and then eventually, but definitely goal line technology technology for the start but again it depends on money and some grounds aren't big enough for for all that technology stuff that is the only downside of it the smaller clubs that can't afford it or they've not got the sort of ground for it that's when it becomes difficult because you can't have like one team in the league that haven't got it it's got to be even throughout yeah yeah no i was just gonna say that's right like you can't just have it has to be all in or all out. Yeah, because you can't say to have it and then like the likes of the lower teams that can't afford it, then they start to struggle and like you've got to factor it all. But I think to start with improving the officials and the refs first, that would be a starting point. Yeah, because I thought the referee was very reactionary, uh, home reactionary. And again, it's so easy to say, you know, we're watching it with, with, our, with our Chelsea <laughs> shirts on, but... You know, the Arsenal players were going down quite easily and, and maybe a little scream here or a moan there and she was given a free kick. Very reactionary to the... I'm just glad uh, Paris didn't play early because she would have... Luckily, she come on as a late sub. Obviously, the captain gave her a couple of uh, a wax, but she would have been in that referee's ear the whole game. It would. I don't, I'm not happy seeing her back in English football. No, the hell out of me, I see. I agree with you, Dana. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't start like and it was only a small small period of time well luckily she, she must have been winded for 20 minutes because she was <laughs> quiet because she did get a take a couple of whacks but once she livened up and then she put one back on our our captain then and straight away she was in the ear of the ref uh, thank god the ref thought she only had 10 minutes of her <laughs> there's also been a lot of talk about attendances only just over eight thousand at the emirates no segura- seg- segregation of fans no, no communication with supporters. What should be done? Dane, do you think more games at bigger grounds or focus on filling the smaller grounds first? Well, I remember when Chelsea, we played at uh, the men's stadium and that was a great, you know, a great atmosphere, great little togetherness there. I think, it's, as I say, it's so easy for the bigger teams, isn't it? With the, with the money, you know, uh, with, with all due respect, uh, are, are a lot, I don't know, Reddin's, or Birmingham's, you know, attendance figures, but would they, if they were playing at the, the men's stadiums, would people, would people come out from, you know, how many people, you know, like both sports with me? It's hard for me. You know, I'm a big lover of the women's game as I've, I've been on shows of you before. You, uh, uh, 
Uh, I watch a lot of it, but for me to commit to try and get to a women's game, I, I'm a season to cut older in the men's game. So that sort of rules me out. And you wonder how many fans are like that. Uh, although sometimes watching men's football, I think I'd give up and actually just permanently watch the <laughs> women's football. But yeah, you, 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 going back to segregation as well, I would, I would split fans up. You know, it gives that, you know, it gives you, you sit in, you know, with more, with, with, with more of your lot and it, you know, it makes you feel more connected to, you know, to the club and uh, to the players, especially when they want to clap you afterwards. And if you're sitting together, I, I didn't really like that, but they just, I presume it was policing and stewarding. They wanted to keep people all together to keep an eye on them rather than, uh, you know, one lot over on the right and a load on the left. But, you know, Lisbon, how, how many Chelsea supporters would have been there? You know, I'm sure they could have handled it. I think it's right think, to segregate, though. I think that was the only downside of the game on Sunday. Just the fact that although we was, we sort of did a, we everyone was told to book a certain block, but because Arsenal fans were still quite among us, it just didn't feel right. And like you said, when players come over and clap you, Arsenal players are also there clapping their fans. So it sort of comes difficult. And I think that's what they've maybe got to improve more in a game. Although it's a, a friendly like family game, like Arsenal said, mm. and people say, for fans to sort of sit together, you don't want to sit amongst like the away, like the away fans or the home fans, however you want to say it, just because it doesn't feel right to be mixed with everyone. Mm. We had, to, I remember when I went to the cup final at Wembley when we beat Arsenal 3 1. And although they tried to put Chelsea on one end, Arsenal or the other, it was a little bit mixed. And we had some really stereotypical pig ignorant men who was bringing their, you know, men's standards over in the men's game and the women's. And, you know, even though, you know, Chelsea winning, they were just standing up and like being like really ignorant and really stupid. And it just spoiled it. And, like, you know, you just want, you don't want their fans, you know, making, you always get one idiot, uh, especially Arsenal fans, You obviously all of them are. But yeah, it, it did spoil it for, for an example, because you're right, you know, it's a more of a, the family feel there more of a, you know, a smile and, and, and hello to everyone. And I was with my two daughters and, you know, just, you know, they'd never experienced that sort of atmosphere of a football match and the sort of, the, although they didn't spoil it, you know, the, I was just explaining to them, that's what you sort of get more at men's football, unfortunately. Yeah, no, it's, you could tell, like, I don't, Kerry will probably agree, quite a few of the Arsenal fans that were sitting around us, you could sort of tell they go to the men's games and, like, it's just, it's nicer just to be able to sit with your own supporters. They're mixed with mm. like, the men's supporters as well as their women's team supporters. Well, that's what you worry about, don't you? Uh, I don't know if you've experienced it, Kerry or, or Jane, from going to games, you know. If if, if I, because I do obviously do the podcast with the men, I'm going to compare and I support both teams. I'm going to compare little bits, but you can't go to a match and compare men's and women's football. And unfortunately, if, if you've then got uh, people who go to men's football taking their same values into watching the women's football, it is going to spoil it. And it's not going to be nice because, you know, you, you can't compare. They can't just because they hate the men's Chelsea team. It doesn't mean they have to hate, hate the, the, the women's team. It's two different, you know, different leagues, different players, different attitudes, different personalities. And it's a shame when when it's brought over. Yeah, no, it is a shame when it's brought over because you just don't you don't want it to get to that sort of stage in football mm. with like the fighting and what have you. So I think that's enough about talking about a defeat. The Chelsea Women's Supporters Group ran a player of the match vote on their Facebook group, and the winner of that was Erin Cuthbert with 115 votes. Dane, who gets your player of the match? Oh, yeah, Erin. Erin, just ahead of uh, Peniel. You know, I give it to Erin. Sometimes I thought 
uh, she was the odd player out last season and, uh, you know, she really has to perform to stay in, in the team. And I thought she did that. I thought she was outstanding. You know, you know, like Kerry said earlier, be interesting to see if she can nail down a place and what position, you know, if we play over four, uh, four, two, three, one, which we played a lot last year, or, you know, three at the back with wing backs. I wouldn't like her as a wing back either. Like, like Kerry said, uh, she, she, you know, she's got good energy from midfield, another like box to box player. Like we was talking about Jesse Fleming. So, yeah, I thought she was outstanding because the pressure's on her. With all due respect to, you know, Peniel or maybe Sam Kerr or Frank Kirby, they can have a couple of, like, you know, quiet games and still know they're going to get picked. But, you know, it's easy to then rotate an Erin if she has gone quiet for a couple of games. Uh, and she's going to have to perform at a high level to stay in the team. And hopefully she does. She, you know, we, we all know what she can do. She's an outstanding player and she's got the capabilities to do that. Kerry, I'm going to ask you the same question, but most listeners and people that are friends of you are going to be able to guess the answer anyway. But who is your player of the match? Um, <laughs> I think no. It, to me, it was Aaron, but yeah, I did do, I forgot to do the poll on Twitter as well. Just when you just said mentioned that, so everyone had voted in part, apart from Kerry. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, that's all we've got time for this week. I hope I've not been too awful on my own. I do feel lost without Dean. It's, this is all too technical for my likings. I like just joining, saying what I've got to say and leaving. Don't tell him. <laughs> no, he, he might actually listen to this one, seeing as he's not actually on it himself. We don't listen to them back because he doesn't like his own voice. No, I don't. I, yeah, no, I don't either. No, I don't either. <laughs> so he'll probably listen to it and then say, you've done this wrong, but... Oh well, there's one. There's another episode tomorrow that I'm recording, and then hopefully after that he'll be back. So hopefully people aren't going to have to part with me for too much longer. Aww. No, you've done well. Well done. Thank you, great job. Thank yeah. you great both job. for joining me. You're welcome. No problem. Um, how can people find you on Twitter, Dane? Oh, I'm uh, at D uh, Wits with uh, nine. I think it's just D W H I double T and the number nine. And Kerry, how about you? I'm just Kerry.Evans. Yes, that is my Twitter. I couldn't think then. I might went I will make sure they are correct and I'll leave them all in the description below. Join us later in the week and we'll be previewing the first home match of the season against Everton. Don't forget to follow us. <laughs> Finally back at home properly. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MoKingsMeadow. Sign up to our Patreon, Discord, Fantasy Football newsletter. All links and info will be left in the description of this episode. Until next time, Chelsea fans, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high.